Well, the running theme this week seems to be submission to the Lord. Uh, that's what I spoke on Wednesday night. That's what the Lord put on Brother Sean's heart this morning, and we're going to be talking about Jonah tonight. So it seems to be what the Spirit's leading us to this week. Um, before we get started, let's pray about it. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the chance to come out into your house and worship you. I thank you for the awesome opportunity that you've given me to speak what you've laid on my heart. I ask that you just help me to speak the truth in love and that everything that I do be led by the Spirit here tonight. I ask that everything that we do as a collective here be done to honor and glorify your name. Let it be a sweet savor to you, Lord. Please be with this congregation here tonight. Empower them and help them to go out through this week taking you with them so that the others might see Christ in you. I ask all these favors in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at the book of Jonah. And of course, anytime you talk about the book of Jonah, everybody gets hung up on the fish. And to be honest, there's only three verses in the whole book of Jonah about the fish. And uh, just to get that out of the way, the actual, what the King James translated as fish, the actual word is sea creature. So we don't know exactly what the fish was, but in the three verses that connect to it, we're talking about some sort of large sea creature. Well, we're going to start out in Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start with the first three verses. And I'm actually going to do a brief run-through of the most of the book. We'll be touching here and there. All of us know the story. I don't think we have to read all the way through it. But there's some things in here that I found while I was studying that I think would interest everyone. And I also found some truth that I got a hold of that I was hoping to share with you tonight. Now, in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the face thereof and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. You know, I always find it funny. Anytime you get ready to run from the Lord, the devil always provides transportation. It seems like there's always a convenient way to get out of serving the Lord, but the Lord ain't going to let you go. Now you see what? Jonah was actually trying to do here. He knew he couldn't really flee from God. But what he was trying to do, I think, was get as far away from Nineveh as he could. That's why he went to Tarshish. It was in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. Now, this is the thing that I have seen Christians do so many times. They try to make it inconvenient for God to use them. So what Jonah was hoping was if I get far enough west... He's not going to be able to use me in the east. 
So I'm going to go over here and make it inconvenient because Jonah didn't want to go talk to Nineveh. He didn't want to go preach to Nineveh. And what's funny is he tried to flee from the presence of the Lord, and I think Jonah, being a prophet, knew that the Lord was in Tarshish too. But so many times we seem to flee from the presence of the Lord. We try to run from God, and it's just irrational that we try to do it because you can't run from the guy that's inside you if you're a Christian. Now, I have talked to pastors who have tried to run from the call, and I've actually um, know one pastor that came to mind when I was putting this study together. Uh, he actually tried to run from the calling of God on his life, the calling to preach, and he hit the bars. And God called him off a bar stool, and he, he uh, surrendered to preach in uh, the blue Danube. On a bar stool, he broke down squalling and surrendered to preach because he was doing his very best to make himself unable to be used by the Lord, but the Lord wouldn't submit. And when he finally broke down, the Lord took him to his calling, and soon he's probably going to retire from the ministry after many, many years of faithful service. Another thing I wanted to talk about was, this, uh, was Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a huge city founded by Nimrod. Now, Nimrod <clears throat> had also founded a city in Babel, and as he founded these cities of the Assyrian kingdom, uh, it, was in, it was not long after the dispensation from Babel, and the whole area was rooted in rebellion to the Lord. The other thing about that made Nineveh pretty unique was it was right on the axis of the north and south trade route and the east and west trade route. So it was very wealthy. It was a center of commerce. It was the secular society of that time, much like the United States is today. However, the Assyrians were known for their extreme ruthlessness and cruelty and were enemies of Israel. They were known to, for their war, for being a warlike nation. The primary duties of an Assyrian king was to wage war and erect public buildings. This was what their gods wanted them to do. They wanted them to raise, to, uh, raise buildings in honor of the gods and to wage war. And of course, from the wars, they would have slaves in order to build the buildings. And they would drag these captives off with hooks through their nose. And it's funny, I see these people running around now with these piercings in their nose, you know, and they don't understand. They put those rings in bulls' noses for a reason. If anybody ever got a hold of that thing, they wouldn't ever wear it again, because I promise you, you can lead anybody wherever you want them to go if you put a ring through the center of their nose. And that's what the Assyrians were known for. So Jonah was hoping that if he got far enough away from God to make it inconvenient for God to call him, that God would not give the Assyrians the chance to repent that he was giving them, and he would punish them and destroy them because that's what Jonah wanted to see. <clears throat> so 
he runs and he gets on the boat. And one of the things that I find interesting in this is in verse 3 it says that he went down to Joppa and then it says that he went down into the boat. And then later on he goes down into the sea and then he goes down into the fish. And until Jonah submits to the Lord, his whole trajectory is just down, down, down. The further he tries to run from God, everything just keeps going down. He gets on the boat, and of course, the, uh, the way the Hebrew reads is it like, it's like the Lord pitches a storm at him. I mean with a fastball. So this storm hit, and of course you know the story. The men cast lots, and they're trying to find out what is causing this storm. And finally they figure out it's Jonah, and Jonah tells them that he's a servant of God, the living God, and they know the Israelite God. And they, they think Jonah's crazy because why would you run from a God that can do this? Are you an idiot? You know? And to their point, Jonah probably was. And uh, they... Even at that point, you know these were good guys. They weren't godly men, but they were good guys. They did everything in their power, including throwing their cargo that they was getting paid to haul over to lighten the ship to try to keep Jonah on board, but to no avail. God would not relent. And one of the things that I always found funny, everybody thinks that Jonah's a brave guy because he tells them to throw him off the ship. Well, if Jonah was a brave guy, Jonah wouldn't have had to have been thrown off the ship. He would have jumped off the ship. I think Jonah was scared to death, but he knew that it was all his fault, and these guys were going to get killed on his account. So they threw him overboard. And throughout the book, if you go through here, Jonah prepared things for, or God prepared things for Jonah. First, he prepared a fish. Later on, he prepared a gourd, and then a worm, and then a wind. All to get Jonah to understand his calling. So after Jonah spent three days and nights in the fish, the fish spit him out, going in the right direction. The fish knew to follow what God told the fish to do. So the fish takes Jonah and spits him out on dry land. Now I have done a little research on survivors of something like this. There have been testimonies of people that got swallowed by whales or uh, I forget the name of it. There's actually a toothless shark that has been known for doing this. And uh, they've survived and when they bring them out, they have actually survived for some time. I think one of them was 48 hours. And the guy that, they all passed out from terror and shock, not from lack of oxygen. But when they bring them out, all of these guys had their looks changed by the inside of that fish. Uh, one testimony that I heard said the guy was now hairless and he had patches of yellow and brown skin. Uh, another testimony said that uh, the guy came out, everything, his skin and hair was all bleached. 
So when the fish spit Jonah out on dry land three days later, he was a pretty interesting looking character. So when he gets to Nineveh and he goes tromping into Nineveh, now there's arguments over this in archaeological uh, societies because there was actually three cities that were called the Nineveh Circle and it was about, or Nineveh Triangle, it was about 60 miles across. So some people think that may have been why they said it took Jonah three days to go to the center. Um, another thing is they've excavated about 1,700 uh, acres of Nineveh and usually you can only recover a small percentage of the city, so they're thinking maybe the city is way bigger than what they found so far. So Jonah gets out of the fish. He's been messed up. He looks different. When you run from God, it's going to leave a mark. You're going to carry those marks from running from God. So get that picture. He walks to the middle of the city, this guy that's been in this fish, and then he preaches, repent, or God's going to destroy the city. And what do the Ninevites do? They do exactly what Jonah was afraid they was going to do. He knew it, that they were going to repent and that God was going to forgive them, and he couldn't stand it. So we get to chapter 4, and Jonah's mad. Now, Nineveh did eventually reap the judgment that was cast upon them. Uh, they repented here, but a generation later, they got back to doing their old ways, and in 612 B.C., the city was destroyed by the Babylonians and the Medes, and you can find that story in the book of Nahum. So, Let's look at uh, chapter 4 and verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled beyond, before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art gracious, a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> this, is, this is so funny if you actually get to thinking about it. Okay, Here's the prophet of God. He's been in the belly of the fish. He's all bleached out, splotchy. He's gone and he's preached this message and everybody call, comes and repents. I mean, tell me what preacher in America wouldn't be elated if he come through a big city and he preached a message and the whole city repented and came to God. But instead, Jonah goes out and throws a fit. And this is not just any fit. This is like a teenage drama fit. Oh, just kill me. It is so bad. I just don't want to live because you saved these people. I mean, you got to get that picture of how silly this is. And then the Lord said, Dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat there on the east side of the city, and there he made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow until he might see what 
would become of the city. So God ignored his fit, so he goes off and he sulks to see what's going to happen. And the Lord prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that he might have a shadow over his head to deliver him from the grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm, then the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said it is better to me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. So God's telling him here, you're pitching this fit over this gourd. You're weeping over this gourd, but you're mad that I spared 120,000 souls that don't know how to discern right from wrong because they don't know me. That's the picture that we need to get a hold of. Right now, there is a whole world out there of lost souls that don't know how to discern their right hand from their left hand. We're in the position that we're in because we are living in a lost world. We are living in a lost nation. There are people out there, they can't discern right or wrong because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to help them discern right from wrong. But we want to stand in judgment and anger. I was at work the other day and we was talking about somebody and uh, he was doing wrong and the lady that uh, I was talking with was just beside herself and she said, I just wished he would get what he deserved. And in a rare moment of Holy Spirit inspiration, this doesn't usually happen to me. I would have usually been right there and said, yeah, me too. But I said, yeah, I do too, but I don't want what I deserve. And that hit her. You know, we have been talking. She's out of church and been out of church for a while, and we've been discussing different things and discussing the Bible and, and walking the Christian walk. And uh, I was able, because of what is in me that may not be in this person we're talking about to remember that I don't want what I deserve either. So the book of Jonah, you've got four chapters. The first chapter is you've got Jonah runs from God. That didn't work out too well. He ends up in the belly of the fish. Chapter 2, he's running back to God. He's praying. He's getting things right with the Lord. Chapter 3, he walks into Nineveh and he's running for God. He's spreading the gospel message, repent, repent. And then chapter 4, 
Jonah runs into God and God sets him straight on his wayward theology. I want to give you a little bit of information about Nineveh today. I know Eric has been over in that part of the world. <clears throat> you see, after Jesus came, after his ascension, the gospel was brought into that area by the apostles Thomas and Thaddeus. They brought the gospel with their pupils, Agai and Mary, in the first century A.D., they brought Jesus to Nineveh and the Assyrian nation. Um, the cool thing was there was a remnant there that knew about Yahweh and knew about God because Jonah had told them about God. So they were ready for Jesus. Thomas and Thaddeus were actually surprised that these, this pagan kingdom was as receptive to Christ as what they were. Now, if you go over into that area, Assyrian is kind of synonymous with Christians. Um, if you do any research in any of the wars that have affected Iraq, uh, for those of you that don't know, Nineveh is in northern Iraq. And if you look into the recent history, you will find Assyrian Christians constantly under persecution by their Muslim neighbors. Today, the Assyrian people who were once so brutal and vicious are reported to be among the most friendly and hospitable people one can meet. They actually have a celebration that's called Jonah's Feast. And after conclude, it, it comes from after concluding a three days fast also known as Jonah's fast, presumably because Jonah spent three days in the fish. So, I, I kind of, y'all know how my mind works. I've told you enough stories about the way I see the Bible and, and pictures and imagination that I have. But can you imagine up in heaven when this celebration is going on? You've got Thomas and Thaddeus up there with Jonah. All right? And they're saying, look, they're throwing you a party. You didn't even want to go. <laughs> they're not throwing us a party. <laughs> you had to get drugged there by a fish. <laughs> you know how many miles we had to put on a donkey to get over there to tell people about Jesus? You know, this is the things that goes on in my head if you want just a little bit of insight into the mind of Ben. <laughs> but I think about this thing. Do you realize what kind of impact you can have on the world if you will just take Christ to the world that you have been called to? Tonight, there may be somebody that has something that the Lord has put on their heart. And I encourage you, do not run from that. We sang that song in Christ alone. He's the one that sets our destiny. It's been the running theme for the week. If y'all haven't picked up on it, Christ is Lord. All that I am, all that I have, and all that I do belongs to Christ. He is the shot caller. He's the boss. We have to submit. As Brother Sean was saying this morning, making him Lord 
is the difference between the straight, narrow gate and the big, wide gate that leads to destruction. So tonight, I encourage you, if there's something that the Lord is calling you to, that is, the Lord is challenging you with, don't run. Don't make him put his mark on you to get you back walking the straight path. Don't try to make it inconvenient for him to do it because he will still get you where he wants you to go if you have made him Lord. And as inconvenient as you make it for him, it may be way more inconvenient for you, as Jonah found out. That's all I have for tonight. That's what the Lord put on my heart, and that's what I've shared with you.